2: is a choice this is battleground america here's tara
1: servatius
0: hey terry here welcome to the insane things podcast where we wrap up the most insane things of the week last week's podcast started with joe biden going in an emergency filing to the supreme court to get the ability to cut through the razor wire that the Texas National Guard was putting up on the border and to take down fences on people's private property in Texas to let the illegals in. The Democrats do not want to be separated from their future voters. And so they want to tear down everything that the National Guard's putting up. But they also want to stop Ken Paxton, the attorney general, from blocking them. He had a lawsuit from taking down people's fences. Basically, they're just a wrecking crew on the border at this point that works honestly the Border Patrol more for the cartels than they do for the American citizens. So that's how I started last week's podcast. And that was pretty damn insane. This week, it gets better in a good way because governor Greg Abbott just did something that's going to make the left go insane. And I can't wait to watch it all weekend. They're going to lose their minds as they learn that the governor has just thrown the federal border patrol out of a section of Eagle pass. Yes, this is what we need. This is the fight we need in this country. Governors have to begin ejecting the federal government, when it breaks the law, and what happened was, when you when you look at the park here, it's an eagle pass. It's called Shelby Park, and the federal government, using the border patrol, has turned it into a major superhighway for illegal immigrants. And locals can't even use it anymore. And they basically, the illegals come through there. They stand around in the park. They get their free Obama phone. Uh, they get their work papers, which are illegal too. You can't give them out. They're just made up silly, silly stuff. But the Biden administration passes them out and then they load them onto buses, right? Well, Texas wants to end this by putting up razor wire and barriers across that park. But they know what will happen. The Border Patrol will cut them right down again and the flow will begin. So they ejected the Border Patrol from Shelby Park, went ahead, put the wire up. Problem solved. The illegal immigration stopped like that. At least through Shelby Park, proving there was no need for the Border Patrol to ever be standing there processing them. They were only coming to get the free bus rides and air tickets into the interior that the Border Patrol was providing. Again, the Border Patrol had to be removed so they wouldn't turn around and cut through the wire and let them back in. Now, the hilarious part of this is that the Border Patrol who've been blocked from a fully 2.5-mile section of the border under this uh, because the park, the area around it, has been blocked, too, to keep them out of the park. The Border Patrol loves this. They thanked Governor Abbott. Yeah, because they don't want to be forced to break the law on Joe Biden's behalf day after day to get their paycheck. Here's from the statement the Border Patrol released. Governor Abbott is not harming Border Patrol operations. He's enhancing them. His seizing control of Shelby Park allows our agents to deploy to troubled spots that experience high numbers of getaways. Governor Abbott's action should be seen as a force multiplier. The Abbott is doing this while Joe Biden is... Suing him before the Supreme Court for the right to cut down fences and barbed wire is, I mean, it's extraordinary. It's exactly the kind of thing we need to be doing. Folks, we have so many levers of power that we are leaving unused. It's actually a thing of inspiration to watch the Democrats use them, like the 30 states that are trying to take Trump off the ballot. What does it show you? At the state level, the local level, there's so many levers of power. We could fight them so many ways if we wanted to. We just need the courage to do it. This is an escalation we have not seen in modern times. We have not seen a governor remove the feds from state territory. I love it. Folks, this is the fight we want. This is the only moral way for a state to secede, for a state to nullify. When the federal government... Is breaking the law, as Joe Biden has commanded the Border Patrol to do here. They are no longer legitimate. They are an invading force. They don't even want to be an invading force. They must be repelled. And I've predicted, if you're a new Battleground America listener, you may not know this, I've predicted within the next decade that the citizenry, the misery, will be such uh, that they will be on the lawns of these Republican governors demanding action I've always predicted it would be over natural resources it would be when the lights go out as they will by 2030 when we finally shut down that remaining 20 percent of our energy supply that comes from coal that there will be such desperation uh, they will demand the governors turn the lights back on in defiance of the federal government and that you will see within the next decade I have predicted you will see a governor hauled out of a governor's mansion in handcuffs by the federal government, or a better scenario, you'll see that state national guard, sheriffs, uh, local police. I don't know who it'll be defending that governor. That is the fight we need. We must be moral and just, they must come to us. This is exactly the fight the founders wanted right here. This is a small skirmish, but in modern times, I mean, since the Civil War, it's groundbreaking. Here's how the panicked Justice Department described it. I love this. This is CBS writing about it. In a filing early Friday with the Supreme Court, the Justice Department described the extraordinary standoff between Texas and the federal government. Citing testimony from local officials and photos, the Justice Department said Texas was using arms guardsmen and vehicles to deny Border Patrol agents and Federal National Guard soldiers access to roughly 2.5 miles of the U.S.-Mexico border. Texas's new actions, the Department of Injustice wrote, demonstrate an escalation of the state's measures to block Border Patrol's ability to patrol or even surveil the border and be in a position to respond to emergency. What a crock. Now, Abbott has typically had the spinach spaghetti and he could have done this two years ago, but he gets thumbs up for me. This is what we need. If we were really using the levers of power, as I said last week, look, if these were Republican voters, you'd see some real use of the levers of power. What you would see in Arizona and Texas is no less than attorneys general going in and arresting TSA management, maybe even line workers with the TSA, because right now, they are illegally boarding illegal immigrants with no visas and no papers, certainly no real ID on planes. They are committing a RICO violation. That is prosecutable. You would totally see things like that from the left. We have so many levers of power, but it's going to take the people getting so sick of this that people like Abbott are embarrassed into action. I don't know how this is going to end, but it's glorious. And it's the way forward, should we finally choose to fight them. Insane thing number four. You've probably heard by now that our army has failed catastrophically to meet its recruitment targets. Much of the military has. But we haven't gotten this level of detail on who's not showing up. It's whites, And the numbers are amazing. (laughs) Back in 2018, the last normal recruiting year we had, 44,000 new army recruits were white. Fast forward to 2023, and it's plummeted from 44,000 down to 25,070. And here's what's even more interesting. This dropout of the military of white people is almost entirely responsible for the recruitment problems the military is having. Quote, no other demographic group has seen such a precipitous decline. And what factors does the story attribute? Growing obesity epidemic, Whatever. All races are getting fatter. We see that at Walmart. No, no. It's this. This is the truth. Quote, partisan scrutiny of the service. In other words, they're looking at this woke military and saying, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, I, I don't even recognize this culture. I cannot subject myself to it. What's interesting about this is it started under Trump. So, you know, Trump or Republican returning to the White House isn't going to fix this. And if you listen to me for a long time, you know why. Investors Business Daily documented how Barack Obama politically purged the military. 111 top commanders gone. Almost all of them conservatives or at least not woke. So, and 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 during that Trump era, you had Millie running around. Uh, He was preaching DEI. Uh, He was making racist statements toward whites. Um, You have the drag queen you know, dance shows that are on our bases now. You have units forced to march in pride, pride. you know, flag parades, whether they want to or not. Um, And then you've got the shot, which they used to purge the military as well. You had to get the shot, so there's that. um, And that became very political. Um, But then you you just also have, you know, things like the ads uh, recently that were run by our military, transgender men dressed as women, in their uniforms, doing recruitment. I mean, that stuff goes crazy on TikTok and other places. And you've got the horror show stories like Out of the Navy where you can now be prosecuted criminally under the military code of justice for using the wrong pronoun or misgendering somebody. I mean, there's no way a normal person, a patriotic person is going to subject themselves to that. You're, you're just not going to. And they know that. Look, and it's stuff like this from the current Joint Chief of Staff Head, Charles Brown, who did an interview. He said, I purposely build my office, my front office and my team with diversity. I hire for diversity because they all bring a different perspective. In other words, recruits are essentially being told they shouldn't bother shining their life away because they won't be treated fairly and they won't be promoted based purely on merit or accomplishment. And look, you can see why this is. Poll after poll after poll after poll tells us the most conservative group in America, white men. That's why the left hates white men so much. But you know what? White men, given the first insane thing today, maybe they'd be better served finding a way to go into law enforcement in their state or some other capacity in their state that would allow them to defend their state from the federal government. Insane thing number three. This was the week in all the hubbub that we found out that pretty much the COVID pandemic was fake. If you think about it, there were several key tenets of it. Two weeks to stop the spread, which we now know from Dr. Deborah Burke's book, she admits she just made it up. She had no scientific basis for it. And she said after watching a few YouTube videos of people collapsing in Wuhan, she decided that she needed to shut everything down. And the actual purpose of two weeks was for her to to find an excuse to keep things locked down. In other words, it was a total lie. We were told it was settled science. This week, Fauci admitted another one of the four tenants of the fake pandemic was in fact fake. Six feet social distancing. He was testifying before a congressional committee... And admitted six-foot social distancing sort of just appeared, quote, unquote, and was, quote, likely not based on scientific data, unquote. Cool. Where do the 95,000 businesses that permanently went out of business by September of 2020, where did they go to get their lives back? Those are families crushed and ruined. Where do American citizens go to get their $7 trillion back? That's what we spent On the pandemic, a lot of it for those checks, paying businesses to stay open. In my state of South Carolina, our thug dictator governor shut down businesses using social distancing, which we now know is fake. They would calculate out your capacity and the six foot difference. And most places were only allowed to be half full. The Greenville News published a whole list of places that went out of business because of it. And just like that, Fauci admits there wasn't anything to it. And then this one. Can you remember Fauci demonizing anyone who suggested that COVID was made in or came from the Wuhan lab? And you remember the paper that he put together, he put the authors together, got it published, saying there was no COVID coming out of the Wuhan lab, that it came from the wet market. And then the media used that as propaganda. But we would later learn the FBI used it to censor actual virologist who knew better, Fauci didn't even a virologist, that it was used in a very punitive way. Well, Fauci just admitted after getting that paper published, the lies he told all those years about it not being man-made or not coming out of the lab, that he doesn't even actually know. It could have come out of the lab or maybe it didn't. None of this is that astonishing now, but if you remember what it was like in the heyday of COVID, I got screamed at one time for going the wrong way down the aisle. They had the social distancing thing all fixed up. I mean, this just about broke my church uh, because they had the rule you had to get there way early before service. They let the old people in first, and then as it filled up for social distancing, uh, you could be there and be rejected. We stopped going for a long time. A lot of people didn't even come back and now they're trying to find them because the pews are so empty compared to before COVID. I mean, this wrecked my church, wrecked my church financially. I mean, at one point, volunteers were calling every single one of the 5,000 people that was were registered to find out what happened to them and invite them back. This is just the disaster they wrought in my life in institutions I'm a part of, but this is something the left always does. After they tell a major lie and use it and what ends up amounting to a political coup and it's too late to undo the damage, they do something that's always interesting to me. They tell you the truth. It's like they want you to know they got away with it My theory is because it will demoralize you next time. You know they're lying. You know they always lie. 17 intel agencies say Russia hacked the election. Russia influenced the election. Russian bots hacked the DNC. All that was a lie. Um, But the next time when you're one of those like us who knows how fake the world is and you want to fight, don't even bother. They lie, they get away with it every time. I think it's a demoralization device, but it's very interesting to me that they admit it. So given the fact that the shot also didn't have the 95% effectiveness rate that, that Fauci claimed, in fact, if you took the shot, you are more likely to get COVID and several other viral illnesses as well because it weakens your immune system. That completes the lie. Everything they told us was fake. Everything they base the most totalitarian policies on was in fact fake. And le- in fact, the person who put it the best this week was RFK when he says now it becomes clear. Trust the science really means obey authority. Want to pause here for just a sec to tell you about PhD weight loss. I've just about cleaned out my closet now. I did a brave thing. I threw away all those old big sizes I've been hanging on to for almost 11 months now thinking I'm going to gain the weight back. Why? Because I always have before I've taken off 10 pounds, taken off 15 pounds, and I put it back on. So I'd need those clothes. Well, my closet ended up jammed to the gills and I haven't put it back on. So I've begun letting go of those clothes. That 29 pounds I took off in six months with PhD weight loss, it's still off. I think I have the metabolism now to know I'm going to be this much smaller, much healthier person going forward. That's the power of the maintenance phase of PhD weight loss. They walk with you for life and you can do it no matter what state you're in. To find out more, go to myphdweightloss.com. That's myphdweightloss.com. Now back to the podcast. Insane thing number two, those hundred precision guided missiles the Biden administration dropped on the Houthis. Folks, what we're seeing right now is something we haven't seen on this scale since the founding of the country. The return of Islam to piracy. Joe Biden has literally brought that back on a scale very much in line with what it was um, in the time after the revolution. Where get this from Fox News this morning, 20 percent of world trade has had to be rerouted and Joe Biden caused the whole damn thing. It escalated this week when for the first time the Houthis attacked an American ship. So we pretended to respond. I say pretended because well, I'll let Nathan Salas, ambassador at large under Trump,
2: explain. We've been telegraphing all day the fact that these strikes were coming. If there's a Houthi terrorist in <sighs> Yemen for hours. If there is a Houthi terrorist who is surprised by this, like, they've got to be the dumbest terrorist in the world. It would surprise me if we actually managed to eliminate any of their leaders or the people who are responsible for these attacks on Americans and on commercial shipping. It looks like the administration was telegraphing this strike precisely to avoid casualties on the part of the Houthis.
0: In other words, to spare the leadership so they'll live to attack another day, With the weapons Joe Biden gave them the money to pay for. Yeah, you just heard that. Joe Biden is literally paying Iran and the Houthis to attack us. Iran to attack us 148 times at our bases in Iraq and Syria. And the Houthis, which everybody knows are armed and trained and don't take a piss without Iranian permission. All those new drones, that's high-tech military equipment. They didn't have that before. They're a very poor nation. They got them from Iran and Iran got the money to pay for them from Joe Biden. I've documented it exhaustively here on the podcast, the 16 billion dollars we've given Iran since September. The first tranche, six billion dollars was sent on 9-11 as part of the hostage deal, which Joe Biden used his cover to get them the money because we're trying to ramp up the war here. We're trying to get Iran nuclear armed in time for the election And in time for a conflict, as I explained in yesterday's podcast, one of the most important ones I've done where I predicted that our elites will try, and I told you how they do it specifically so you could watch for it, will try to get into a war with a nuclear armed country by the election, if not by the end of 2025. So that's coming. And this is why we have Islamic pirates, Yemeni pirates, for the first time At this scale in my lifetime. And they have modern military equipment uh, because at incredibly after October 7th, Biden went, yeah, we loved what you did there with Israel. Here's $10 billion. Lifted the sanctions on frozen funds in Iraq. And they've drawn from that several times. Now, the thing a sane country would do watch for this this weekend. The thing a sane country would do is go ahead and refreeze all of that. They would put the sanctions back on the $6 billion. Some of that is still sitting in accounts. They'd put the sanctions and lock back up the $10 billion, And they would reimpose the missile sanctions. See, the other thing that Joe Biden did in October was lift the sanctions on Iran that forbids them from buying missiles. So they could buy missiles to, of course, fire at our troops. And ultimately, I think Biden hopes at Israel uh, so that they, they, we can start the nuclear war, preferably in the Red Sea and not here, but anywhere works. Listen to yesterday's podcast, so you'll understand why. So this is where we are. If we were a sane country, those things would all be refrozen this morning. They have attacked us. That is our ship. But you will not see that happen because the Houthis cannot continue um, firing at us and buying the missiles and getting them from Iran if they don't have the money. In fact, this is why one of the first things that Joe Biden did was take the Houthis, delist them as a terror group because it would be illegal for him to arm a terror group. even via Iran. So they needed to do that so they could build up to this. What makes this something we've never seen before is all the Muslim men I've documented who are now coming across our border, just as the Yemenis promised retribution against American targets. They could easily hit us inside our country. At the same time, our intelligence agencies warned us overnight. Oh, hey, by the way, you know, Hezbollah, also armed, trained, and funded by Iran, is now saying that they might attack us, U.S. targets around the world, or maybe they'll do it on our soil. Joe Biden has let them over the border as well. Not just wave them in at Lukeville, as I've documented exhaustively, but also remember Joe Biden has been illegally flying them into the country for two years. Remember this story? I'll put a link in the sources. Center for Immigration Studies... It was a Freedom of Information Act court fight. Joe Biden lost and was forced to admit that they are using the CPB1 app to allow people from terrorist countries, illegal immigrants, they're not coming in legally, to fill out a little form, and they get the same QR code that the people at the border get, and that lets them walk through our ports of entry, even though we're legal immigrants. This lets them fly into the country. 250,000 of them have done it over the last two years. But the scary part is the 7,332 special interest aliens from terror sponsoring and harboring countries who we used to never let in at the border or anywhere else. They're still illegal immigrants. They just have a little code that lets them walk into the country through our airports after they fly Now, look at what countries they're from. Iran, we've been flying. Look, we're flying in the terrorists for them. Lebanon, yeah, that's Hezbollah. That's Hezbollah. The same people that our intel agencies warned us overnight, hey, might hit us on U.S. soil. Biden's been flying them in here. Where else has he been flying them in from? Listen to this. Yemen, Egypt, and Afghanistan. Never mind whatever's walked over the border. So we now have two proxy terror groups armed, trained, and funded by Iran promising attacks in our country in retaliation. Former Special Forces Jim Hansen, who's the editor of the Middle East Forum, said this this morning on Fox News. Anyone
2: of military age who has wanted to walk across our southern border has been able to do so. And the Biden administration, instead of dealing with that as a threat, has welcomed them, given them resources and moved them throughout the country. So essentially, we've been bringing everyone in with no idea who they are, and now, I'm certain that terror groups, including Hezbollah, have used that to place some of their operatives in the United States. They've been running crime syndicate type operations previously in the United States. We've caught them doing that. So there's no chance that they didn't take advantage of this. It's a massive failure by the Biden administration because the United States inside our borders is just one collection of giant soft targets. We can't protect all of it, and if they decide to take advantage of it, they can't and American citizens will die.
0: On to insane thing number one. By the way, I have Monday off, so um, this is going to be an extra long podcast because of it, but I'm not going to do one on Monday. But I'll be back on Tuesday with the podcast. Okay, insane thing number one. This week, we got a preview in Trump's New York fraud trial of what the whole election will pretty much look like from about here on out. Trump will not be on the campaign trail at all. He will be mandatorily but in the court bench by the order of the judge. That's why he was there this week. Pretty much from March on, he will be off the campaign trail. I'm actually going to put his schedule for this in the sources for this podcast. You can see there are very few days he'll even be able to physically leave the courthouse to campaign. It's like they're locking him up. But so, so we got an idea of what that would be like this week. I mean, to the extent there'll be a, tr- a, a campaign, it'll be him making statements, um, you know, at recess from all these trials. But I don't think people understand what's at stake here. The fine here, should they find him guilty of fraud, is $370 million. Since Trump liquid assets is not A billionaire, he was once, but he's not anymore. This is to effectively keep him from self-funding the campaign. That is the purpose of it. But I don't think people understand how ridiculous this trial was. It shows us the kangaroo court nature of what they can do in a blue justice system, if they can get him in a blue state, because this is a blue blue trial. What they said, essentially, was that Trump defrauded these lending companies um, by fraudulently inflating the value of the businesses and the properties that took out the loans that he got. And their own proof isn't even criminal evidence. It's basically a parade of experts saying that Trump's properties are worth less than he claimed. Well, because Trump's properties are so unique, I actually went through appraisal school, so I understand this. Your typical average middle-class house in a neighborhood, very easy to appraise. There's there's plenty of, of comps. Things like Mar-a-Lago, almost impassable to, to appraise. Trump Tower, almost impossible. They're one of a kind. It's whatever someone will pay for it. It's anybody's opinion. And what we learned this week was that the lenders who lent Trump the money went and did their own appraisals with their own certified experts, agreed with Trump and lent him the money, which if you think about it. Makes sense. They're not going to hand you tens of millions of dollars with your properties to secure the loans without doing their due diligence. Their stockholders would flip out if you did that. Even crazier, Deutsche Bank testified this week they're not a victim here. Take a listen. This is Sol Weisenberg, former independent counsel.
1: Well, the so-called victim testified at trial uh, the representative from Deutsche Bank that said we weren't defrauded at all. We wanted to do business with him. He didn't get a lower interest rate because of what he did. And uh, there's no difference in in insurance, uh, uh, the insurance coverage he could have
0: you su- Essentially, folks, this is a kangaroo court. The judge, before ever hearing any of the evidence already ruled that Trump had committed fraud. You can pretty much see where this is going. The judge is a big Democrat donor. It's all fixed. But it shows you what they can do. This is truly a Soviet-style show trial. And the other four will be too. Proving that if they can get him into one of their blue court systems, they can use anything as evidence and get pretty much any predetermined outcome.
2: with Tara Servatius please subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts share with friends, family and other free thinkers thanks for listening